0: From Mansers on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're Out to Lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Riegel. It's business Baton Rouge style.
1: Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Artists make a living off their creative abilities. Arts entrepreneurs and educators build their careers by recognizing, fostering and encouraging the creative ability in others. Were it not for galleries, museums and programs that they create and operate, there wouldn't be a market for the starving painter or struggling filmmaker out there. Joining me today is a legend in the local art world, Ann Connolly, founder and owner of Ann Connolly Fine Art, where Ann serves at once as an interior designer, curator, and consultant to homeowners and businesses. Ann started out studying interior design and then painting and drawing, but discovered, or so she says, that she was better at recognizing great art and helping others appreciate it than doing it herself. Over the past 25 years, she has grown her business, which is both a gallery that today carries the works of more than 40 creatives and as a consultancy to some of the most prominent companies and institutions in Baton Rouge that have hired Anne to hang art on their walls. In 2017, Anne Connolly Fine Art relocated to a new space called Studio Park, a sort of creative business park on Jefferson Highway that Anne developed with her husband, Paul Connolly. Anne, it's a pleasure to have you here with us today on Out to Lunch. Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks for being here. To be here. Also at the table with me and Anne is Jillian Hall, who heads up the Baton Rouge Operations of NOVAC, which is the oldest media arts nonprofit organization in the Gulf South. Novak was started in New Orleans in the early 1970s as a way to provide media training and production resources to underserved communities. Since 2013, the organization has had a presence here in Baton Rouge and in the years since has trained hundreds of people for creative industry jobs, developed original documentary content, and created innovative youth media programs. Jillian oversees the local program. She's also a documentary filmmaker herself with a passion for socially conscious storytelling. Jillian's productions have been shown at, on South by Southwest in her native city of Austin, Texas, and her shorts have aired on PBS. So, Jillian, it's a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Happy to be here. Thank you. Well, Anne, I love your story. It's fascinating on so many levels. But, you know, like at base, how do you know what good art is? And how did, how did you figure out that you knew what good art was somewhere along the way? I think
2: exposure. The more you see, the more you are able to recognize what quality is, and for me, I have a Japanese mother who lived in Saudi Arabia for seventeen years, and we traveled a lot to see her, and it helped shape my worldview. When you were very y- when you I was, were young, when I was young, yeah, and um, especially in college, and it helped shape my worldview and the references to what is appealing for me personally, and then what is appealing for the public when we're working as consultants, because Mm -hmm. they're two very different things, working as personal collection and working in the the field of creating a narrative for someone. Now, when you were young growing up, mm
1: -hmm. I mean did you you wanted to be an artist yourself in those years or or did you even think about it back then i was just really such a bohemian butterfly (laughs) i was
2: never going to have a very linear path and if we look at my my circuitous route and what i've done i tell people all the time there was no business plan here there was a desire to create and to collaborate with other creatives and then I had the privilege to do it and I had amazing mentors. So people, especially college kids, I'm probably not the best person to talk to a group because we all want to have some structure, of course, which we need, but in a business plan, mine has been uh, self-navigating and discovery.
1: Well, and, and Jillian, the field that you're in also seems to suggest that there's probably been a lot of self-navigating and, and self-discovery in that and, and socially conscious storytelling, which sounds like so much fun. How did you find yourself in that? And and what does it mean? How do, how do you know if you're telling a good story? I would describe
3: where I am now as having been driven by a pretty circuitous route as well. <laughs> um, I... I have always been interested in creative things. I come from a, a family of creative people. Um, my mom is a visual artist. My stepdad is a musician. My sister is a musician. I have cousins and aunts and uncles that play music and do something creative. And I never, growing up, I was always interested in those things and really enjoyed the watching what they created, but never felt like I... I found my fit for a creative outlet, and so was trying lots of different things, um, and then I really just kind of fell into filmmaking. Um, in college, I was studying international studies with big plans to be a international diplomat, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and quickly realized that was not a creative enough path for me. Um, and so I was actually studying abroad in um, Buenos Aires in Argentina, and. Uh, realized pretty immediately within the first week of classes that were all in Spanish that uh, I was going to fail if I had to continue <laughs> to take these economics and politics classes. Um, and so switched to something a little more visual, <laughs> um, not so language based, and um, just started taking some filmmaking classes, um, and then got really interested in that, made several films over there just as student projects. And then when I came home and graduated, I moved back to my hometown of Austin, Texas, where there's a tremendous amount of independent filmmaking and lots of opportunities to learn on the ground um, so rather than going to film school or to grad school, I had that hands-on experience, oftentimes working for free, but learned a little bit about every facet of filmmaking and, and fell into documentary filmmaking because I found it combined a lot of my other interest with studying politics and the economy and the world and cultures. And that was a,
1: an outlet, a creative way for me to explore those things. And, kind of like and journalism in theory. Yeah. Can, can you make a living here in Baton Rouge as a documentary filmmaker or as a an artist? I mean, is there enough of a market here in Baton Rouge, or do you have to cobble a bunch of things together and just do it on the side? I always
2: have so much admiration for a, a true artist, because what's driving them is that that physical need to create, and it's difficult. Can you make a living? Very difficult, mm-hmm. because when you're a creative, you don't come out of school with A path to have a definitive way to make a dollar and unfortunately many times people are looking for donations and so we go through this it's difficult but an artist can make it most of the time they have a another creative outlet Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. uh, another job and they give something up they give up probably their social life and so I have so much admiration and, yeah. and see the sacrifices that are made. But also, the artist is driven by creating and has to figure out the financial part. Mm-hmm. And many artists are come from different professions and are crossing yeah. over. We have several artists that are architects that went through their life as an architect and then decided that they were going to retire sure. into the arts. So there's a lot of times that that happens. A fashion designer that we represent really? that started off as an immigrant from Cuba wow, and was trained professionally as an architect but mm-hmm. decided that he wanted to have a fashion label and for 20 years was dedicated to his fashion label and then decided that he was going to retire, sell his business, and become an artist. So what does it tell you about the creative mind is yeah. just kind of incredible. We have so many instances like that where they're finding their way. It helps to have other professional backups or to find your way.
1: I know that you represent many local artists, mm-hmm. but are most of your artists local or is it a mix it's a a good half and blend. half or what?
2: One artist introduced us to another artist and then we seek out international artists for different projects that we're working on. Very cool. But we start with our local view okay. and and a lot of, of, of the artists that we're looking at come out of LSU. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. And I know if, if you launch them and you hang their work in your gallery or place their work in someone's law firm, they're well on their way. So <laughs> so that's good. Jillian, what about filmmakers? I mean, how does a filmmaker make a living in Baton Rouge? And-
3: yeah, I mean, I think the ultimate goal for all artists, filmmakers included, is to have to have that happy crossover of your creative passion and your financial (laughs) security and stability. Um, And I think that that takes a while to work towards. Um, Especially, you know, I I don't know. I think a smaller market like Baton Rouge, there are certainly pros and cons when compared to a larger market. Um, It can be difficult in some ways, but easier in other ways. But like the financing, does it come from grants
1: if you're doing documentaries primarily? Yeah, so
3: for documentaries, there's several modes of financing. There's grants, which is always very competitive and difficult, um, but not constricted to a certain geographic area. So living in Baton Rouge, you can apply for the same grants as everyone around the country. Um, And then more and more crowdfunding. Um, So finding your target audience and documentaries are good for that because they usually are issue-based or about a particular um, topic that you can easily hone in on your target audience um, and seek out small donations that way and really build your audience Mm -hmm. that's eventually going to feel a part of your project and want to watch it and share it. Um, And then, you know, you do, like some of the artists that Anne represents, you have other other ways to bring in money that maybe um, are aligned with your skill set as a filmmaker or maybe completely different. <laughs> um, and I think the film industry here in Louisiana is wonderful for that because it allows independent filmmakers to use their same skills, working on a larger set, bigger budget, with somebody else, a part of a team, um, and able to bring in more money than they could Have they Have they own. started
1: to come back? I mean, now that the state has sort of... Reconfigured the whole movie industry tax credit thing, and, and we have an incentive that's competitive again. Is it bringing back talent? Yeah, um, so
3: definitely in the New Orleans area, they have been so that's busy. What I hear. All yeah. the studios are full, um, they have a tremendous amount of films, and it's keeping the crew there very busy. Baton Rouge lost a lot of crew. Um, to Atlanta when things kind of shifted, and so our our crew base that was here is gonna take a little bit more time to build up, but there are still definitely talented talented crew members here and other people who are hoping to be able to come Mm -hmm. back once Baton Rouge picks up with production again. But there's a Tom Hanks film that filmed here. Sure. Um, There's been some several several other smaller independent films that have filmed here. So I feel better about it now than I have in a couple (laughs) years.
1: It's good good to to, see. That's definitely good to hear. And tell us a little bit about your business model and, and how you have been so successful. Is it it started with the gallery or it started with the consultancy? And, no, it or, started
2: with the gallery. Okay. And we were an exhibition gallery. And it started with my love for European drawings. Okay. And uh, I used to travel a couple of times a year to different markets in Europe and bought really specific drawings, 19th century, 18th century drawings, and um, started to develop a market that was across the country because it's a, a very specific uh, type of artwork. And we grew to the point where we needed studio space. I kept growing out of every space that my husband <laughs> built for me. And we ended up on Christian Street at the overpass in this really beautiful, now it's Cardinal Map Museum, sure, um, right across from De Julio's. Mm-hmm. And we were there for a couple of years, and... Um, what I realized was that there's no market for European drawings here, certainly. (laughs) And it was difficult with young, a young child to travel as much as it took to, to get the product out. Um, so to our benefit, we started looking at contemporary artists and making alliances with contemporary artists. And at that time, 20 years ago, it was uh, a void, but we were making a shift in Mm -hmm. the way that we think in Mm -hmm. Baton Rouge, and the timing was just great. So that's how it started. It started really organically, and um, from there, our clients and it's one handshake at a time basically, but our clients have supported us through four moves and now we're in Studio Park and the consultancy also grew organically with um, our clients requesting programs and art programs for their businesses, whether it be telling a healing arts story and helping to create a comfortable environment. Like in a hospital? In a hospital. We're doing the Children's Hospital currently, the Woman's Hospital. We've worked with Mary Bird Perkins. It's just kind of opened up all these amazing avenues for us and we do a lot of corporate offices where they want to tell historic stories about their firms. Um, are progressive. They want to show progression, as in different banks and financial institutions. Mm-hmm. So, does that answer your question? It's just been Absolutely. a very organic kind of growth where we're really lucky, and it that's the benefit of being in a city that's vibrant but not huge. Right. We've been able to establish a niche market and it was necessary because to start and to hold on as an exhibition gallery
1: we might not
2: thrive unless we opened up another
1: arm. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Ann Connolly of Ann Connolly Fine Art and Jillian Hall of NOVAC. Jillian tell us about NOVAC because we haven't even got to talk about that yet and and that's such a unique program and providing such a, a need in this market as in New Orleans where it was founded. Um, Well, I like Novak's origin story because
3: I think it kind of speaks to the mission that we still have today. Uh, NOVAC stands for New Orleans Video Access Center, which may sound like a very dated <laughs> name, um, but it's it's important because it was a part of, nationwide, it was a part of other organizations that were video access centers. So we're one of the few left today, BayVac and the Bay Area is still around, um, but these organizations started cropping up once, um, com- once cameras became accessible outside of a studio setting. <laughs> and so someone, they were still very large <laughs> compared to what we're accustomed to today, but someone could feasibly purchase a camera and go in the field and record on their own without having to have it affixed to a studio setting. Um, and so these organizations cropped up to purchase the equipment and to start teaching community members how to operate it so that they could feel empowered to tell their own stories and to really own their own stories and their own voice.
1: And and in a world of iPhones, mm-hmm. when everybody can tell a story and does, in fact, a million times a day, some people, what, what need are you all filling? And what are you teaching people today? Sure. So we... Uh,
3: also, like Ann Connolly Fine Art, we have multi m- multiple prongs and ways to reach people and funding. Um, and so we, for our documentary storytelling program, we do offer what we call independent artist classes, which is going to be to maybe refine certain skills, so learning about storytelling or the more technical things like editing, operating a camera, lighting, to really improve your craft as an independent filmmaker. Um, and then we also... Um, We create our own documentary content, so right now we have a series about coastal issues in Louisiana, and so many of us that work at NOVAC are filmmakers ourselves, so we can go out there and work with the communities to create these short films, um, which are then screened in a variety of different venues and used as tools for an issue. Um, And then we also give out small grants to local filmmakers to contribute their own stories, so that we ensure it's not just us telling the stories, that we're including as many voices as possible. Um, And then for our workforce training program, that's really getting people um, trained up to work on a set. And so a set is like a town in that there is every job that you would find in society. There's accountants, there's electricians, caterers, and so there's lots of different ways for people to use the skills that they have or that they're interested in pursuing further in a film set environment. Um, and they're, they're one of the last remaining, I think, low barrier to entry in high, wave job, high yeah. wage jobs. You don't need a college degree. Um, and you the day rates are once you work your way up to a higher level position are very
1: good so even even with the bulk of the film industry you know now being in New Orleans not so much in Baton Rouge or you know for a couple of years it was totally out of state we had right. lost, you're still teaching these people skills that that make them very marketable somewhere yeah
3: definitely yeah. Yeah, and um, the, it's certainly directly translatable to working on a film set, but so many jobs now want people to have some type of skill in that arena. There's all of the social media um, and just kind of independent marketing that's happening with jobs, and so having skills that are rooted in storytelling and in some of the technical skills required for creating media are, are important for lots of different types of jobs.
1: Yeah. And how important is, is training for artists? I mean, do you ever see the artist who just has this innate ability to create something beautiful? Or is there really a value in going to art school? I mean, and if a young person asks you, how should I become a famous artist or an artist that you would carry in your gallery? What do you tell them the pathway to success is? I think that the
2: pathway to success can come either way. It's all about establishing the, the baseline and that can be self-taught with much discipline and much study or many times it can be through a formal training Mm -hmm. either way it just depends either way we're we're gonna look at outsider artists we're gonna look at artists that have um, multiple degrees
1: tell us about your new your new space studio park because it's a beautiful space and a great concept and Hopefully, your permanent home. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to outgrow this, is move, this one, right? Move number
2: four. We are jam-packed already. We've eyed the piece of property for 20 years. Really? And um, 20 years ago, there was a lady that sold shrimp on that vacant property, and um, the sign came up, and Paul and I started researching and requesting information and ultimately after a year of negotiation made an offer and realized that it wasn't exact we didn't intend to have the entire property and six lots um, we were really focused on the move of the gallery and, mm-hmm. but we did develop the property and it's everything that we dreamed that it should be with um combined it, it, it's it's an outlier piece of property in right. that it's across from Whole Foods but it's behind the circle K and when we started people were kind of amazed that we were painting the back of the circle K with a world-class mural artist yeah. but that that's the uh, artistic approach that's probably a little bit different from a business approach mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. It, it has all uh, worked in place very very well
1: and have you been able to attract other creative type
2: tenants we have, we have. that's what's so great about it we have um, Kiki with uh, Kiki's is a highly curated sure. yeah. shop that uh, is women's accessory jewelry and uh, she's a highly creative person and we have um, Michael Sullivan mm-hmm. an architect and Kenneth Brown there and um, nice so it's it's a it's a great place. It's a great place to work and for our sense of creative community. And that fosters
1: sort of the, like you say, the sense of, of creative community. It does.
2: We've been working on the outside, building decks under the beautiful, massive, gorgeous trees. And um, Katia Mangum is coming with Gourmet Girls, and right. um, and Martin's Wine Cellar is coming. So it's gonna be that creative enclave that we've
1: always hoped for. That's gonna be great, yeah, it's gonna be great. Jillian, tell me about the documentary you did that aired at South by Southwest that won an award, Mm -hmm. I believe. Um,
3: Yeah, so that, uh, Yacona is the name. Um, And it is, I was a producer and sometimes camera operator, although I can't claim credit for all of the really gorgeous images in it, um, and it was a, it's a film, it's a documentary film, but experimental in that it's all image and score, there's no narration or dialogue, um, and it's meant to be kind of a love story to the San Marcos <laughs> River. Um, it's, it's, and the San Marcos River is? The San Marcos River is about 30 miles west of Austin okay. in a town called San Marcos near uh, Texas State University. The campus is yeah. situated right on the river. Um, so I grew up going there, there used to be uh, a theme park there that had underwater mermaids that would do all kinds <laughs> of tricks, and there was a swimming pig, so it's... it's a Swimming <laughs> pig? Yeah. Okay. Um, And yeah, he would dive off the diving board and swim to the mermaids. (laughs) It was a pretty incredible place. Uh, But the river itself is just a a really incredible natural resource. It's the longest continually inhabited area in North America, so lots of history there and really crystal clear waters, lots of endangered species and other special critters in the water. And so I teamed up with um, the directors, Paul Collins and Ana Sepulveda, um, to, to produce the, the film because they had been going out there and capturing these really gorgeous underwater shots and had started to do some kind of abstract reenactment scenes to depict the human history along the banks of the river um, but they've been doing it for a while and needed some help yes. to get it to the next level so I came on and um, helped to organize more of the the larger scale reenactment scenes um, and also helped to raise some funds to finish the film and get it out there into the world so yeah we were we were very excited to premiere at our hometown. Yes. Big-name film festival of South by Southwest, and it won an
1: audience, audience Choice Award. Congratulations. Yeah. What do we need more of in Baton Rouge to make this um, more of a creative market, to help people in the creative fields? A good
3: question.
2: Good question. <laughs> if we had support, more support, mm-hmm. from state government and the local entities— Um, We're a generous community, we're a great philanthropic community, and we have um, pretty much the same pool of people contributing to the arts, but if we move beyond that with more hand-holding, we have lots of talented people that are representing arts and culture in the area. We just can't do it all from the ground up. We need support, and I think that our mayor is supportive. She has shown support. We have a brilliant arts council leader who is, uh, and it's a lot about hand-holding and taking the talent and moving together to build that picture where we can show that complex social infrastructure and how we all play into it. So I would say that probably that's more um, government and, um, and local assistance. And I think,
3: yeah, I'd say the same thing, but I think mm-hmm. also just the um, support can come in many forms. And um, so audience support, viewer support, um, there's, I think that there's, it seems to me that there is this mindset here that there's, that if you wanna see art or if you wanna see something, music or see a film, you go to New Orleans. And, and people, I don't think, that even live here and have lived here for a long time, I don't think they think of Baton Rouge as a place where you can get the, those types of things. Um, so I think it's also about trying to shift the mentality of the people that live here and encouraging them to go out of their way to seek out these shows and screenings and other ways to access art right here in Baton Rouge. Because um, there is a lot of really incredible
1: things happening here and very talented people living and working here. Well, Ann Connolly and Jillian Hall, y'all are both doing so much to to build out the creative space here in Baton Rouge through pictures and stories and images, and the community is fortunate to have you all and your talent here. So thanks for being here to share your stories today on Out to Lunch. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Ann Connolly of Ann Connolly Fine Art and Jillian Hall of Novak. You can find out more about Anne Connolly and Novak by going to our website, itsbatonrouge.la. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Rashuti, And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Anne Edelman. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsbatonrouge.la, and on our It's Baton Rouge Facebook page. You can hear this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsbatonrouge.com. It's Baton Rouge. LA. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for its Baton Rouge. LA and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch.
0: Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Manser's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitchell's music is available wherever great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.